Welcome, everyone, to episode 313 of Fergo and the Freak. My name's the Glorious League Freak, and today we've got a little bit of news to talk about, so let's get stuck into it. Um, first bit of news, Origin 1 is going to be played in Townsville. Uh, they obviously had to move State of Origin from the MCG. That wasn't any surprise uh, with COVID. You know, it seems like it's under control down in there in Victoria, but the numbers are just a little bit too high to start worrying about taking 90,000 people into the SC, uh, MCG sorry, and having them all sit around watching a football game. So they go up to Townsville. Uh, the capacity up there is 25,000. There's been a little bit of whinging that Queensland gets two games and they're back-to-back and all that sort of stuff. I, I just think it's whinging, to be honest with you. I think that, you know, it'd be different if they were back-to-back games at somewhere like Suncorp or if it was at uh, Homebush Bay. I think that if you've got 80,000 people there, it does make a difference. But with a crowd of 25,000, you know, it's a one-off. It, it, it's an emergency move. And I don't really have any problems with it as a New South Wales supporter. I think it's going to be a, a really cool thing to see. It's going to be interesting to see how good the atmosphere is for the game with 25,000 people there. It's a really nice stadium that they've got up there in Townsville, though. It reminds me a little bit of Bank West Stadium, but without one of the ends attached to it. And I think it'll be great. I think it'll be fantastic. And I have a feeling that the atmosphere, when you watch it on TV, won't be too different than if you had it at a massive stadium anyway. So... It's going to be interesting to watch. Um, We had the Queensland team announced. Well, it wasn't a team. It was the squad was announced. But they're still chopping and changing the squad. So I could look. We read it out uh, in the last episode. Funnily enough, Ben Darwin read it out in the last episode, which you should all have a listen to. I think they're still settling on their squad, to be honest with you. I know that they've had some changes uh, just in the last 24 hours. So, you know, as we get closer to that game, I'll I'll start looking at the two teams a, a little bit more in depth. And um, But there were no real big significant changes to the Queensland squad from what you'd expect. There were no bolters or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, but once that squad is more settled, then I'll go through it a little bit more in depth. Um, we're still waiting for the yearly uh, flu or stomach bug or whatever it's going to be to run through the Queensland squad. That always happens. It's always bullshit, but we always wait for it. We set our clocks to it, so that hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure it will happen soon enough. Now, some signing news. Uh, the Cronulla Sharks have captured the signature of Nico Hines from the Melbourne Storm for three seasons. I found this to be a little bit of an interesting one because Hines is the backup fullback for the Melbourne Storm. He's a good player. He's one of those players that things seem to happen around. Every so often there's a player that will come along and Whenever they're on the field, things just happen around them. It's really weird. Braithen Nasta was like that when he first came into the NRL. So Nico Hines, I do rate him as a player. But signing him 
when they've got Barbara Kennedy at the Sharks, who's been really one of the few bright lights throughout their season. I thought that was interesting. And I posted that on Twitter um, when I heard the news and had about 57,000 people say, well, they signed him as a 5'8", which is fair enough. And at some point, I'm a big believer in just, if you need talent, just grab talent. You know, if there's somebody out there that's got a bit of talent in them, just get it to your club and worry about it later at a certain point. Um, you know, if they've got him as a 5'8", it's an interesting move. I don't look at him and really see a 5'8 just yet, but he is still very young and he's he's only starting his NRL career. I, I think I was reading he's only played 22 NRL games so far. So, you know, I'm willing to see where it goes. If, if Craig Fitzgibbon, and he's the one that is guiding these decisions, if he feels like he's seeing a 5'8", uh, we'll wait and see. And that's the beauty of, of rugby league is that we play the games. That's why I always find it weird when you listen to people on uh, TV shows or on the radio or something, and they're so adamant about something that's happening in the game with player movement. They'll be like, well, this isn't going to work, or, you know, that's not going to work. It's like, dude, just chill out. That's why we play the games, because you never know. Nico Hines might be, he might end up being the greatest 5-8th in the game's history. We don't know. We're going to find out. So it's an interesting move for the Sharks, one that I understand, one that I'm not against. You know, as I said, grab talent when you can. But I just thought it was interesting that they've got a player that is predominantly a five-eight, uh, a fullback for his current club and that their current fullback is a pretty handy player. I wonder if they will look to keep Bubba Kennedy back there at fullback or if they will, if this is the move towards maybe telling him that he can look elsewhere, because I think he would be a really good signing for a number of clubs. Like if I was, for instance, the Bulldogs, I would I would already be making inquiries about his availability today. You know, I think he's a, a really handy player. He's done very well in that Sharks team, and but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the Sharks and and with that move. Now, Danny Widler's left ear is reporting today that George Burgess is looking to come back to the NRL, that he's had hip surgery and he feels fantastic after hip surgery. Um, And he's looking to settle back down in Sydney, which means he could end up anywhere. (laughs) That's how it always goes. Um, You know... His brother is still playing pretty well, Thomas, in uh, in the NRL. He's not outstanding, but he gets the job done. You know, he's a good squad member for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. I remember a number of years ago, I thought George Burgess could have ended up being one of the best forwards in the game, one of the best pro- uh, front rowers in the game, just because of his size and his mobility. And it just, you know, sometimes things just don't pan out. And he ended up going over to Wigan. When he went over to Wigan, he looked like a spent force. And so it's going to be interesting to see what club he does end up signing with if he ends up signing with an NRL club. You just never know. Um, 
I would guess that South Sydney would be front runners just because of that connection with his whole family at South Sydney. But, you know, once again, someone like the Bulldogs might look at, at a player like George Burgess just because if he can get back to his best, the upside is very good. And if you can get him on a good contract, you know, it, it might be worth the gamble. And at some point, as I said, grab talent when you can grab talent if you're in a position like the Bulldogs. I don't know that he's somebody that a team like the Sharks would look at. I think that, you know, they've got some all right forwards in their squad that I think they would rather allow to progress in their careers. Um, but yeah, I've, I found that was interesting that he was going to come back or he wants to come back anyway. So I'll wait and see if there's anybody in the NRL that's looking to bring uh, George Burgess in from Wigan. Jack DeBellin has been named on the bench for the St. George Illawarra Dragons this weekend. They have so many injuries and suspensions and players that have been called up for origin that they kind of, you know, they don't have the luxury of just allowing um, any of their players in their 30-man squad to be, you know, left aside. He's only played one game in the lower grades, and the only reason that I bring it up on the podcast is that it's because we haven't got a huge amount that I think the media is going to talk about going into this round of NRL games. Um, I think it could end up being one of those things that they sort of pick up and and make a giant story out of one way or the other. Um, he hasn't played for something like 900 plus days. Uh, I think it's actually really close to a thousand days since his last NRL game. So it's going to be interesting to see how he goes. And, yeah, that's the only reason I brought it up because I think it'll be interesting to see the reaction of not only the media but of fans to when he runs out on the field for the Dragons. In other selection news, the Parramatta Eels have dropped winger Blake Ferguson to reserve grade for their match against the Newcastle Knights. But they've kept Wonga Blake in the side, which I'm sure all Parramatta Eels fans are so happy to see that Blake has been given another chance. Um, You know, Ferguson, he's off contract at the end of the year. And I don't mind the way that all sides have played this out. You know, he's off contract. The Eels obviously aren't going to look to re-sign him going forward at this stage. And, you know, Ferguson's doing his best out there. The Eels have played him for a certain number of weeks and now they're looking for a bit of a change. You know, I was watching Blake Ferguson on the weekend and he hasn't been in good form for at least a year and that's been kind to him. Um, He's a big body, which helps because part of Parramatta's game is to have the two big wingers running the ball back But when I was watching Ferguson on the weekend, I was thinking, like, he just hasn't got that power in his running game that he used to have. And, you know, if he hasn't got that power in his running game, it kind of defeats the purpose of having two big wingers. Uh, The other problem is that the defense is starting to fall away pretty dramatically. And I don't think it's all his problem. I think, obviously, Blake has had some problems in defense and... 
you know, obviously when you're a winger, if your center is having problems in defense, you're in, in a no-win situation. But if the Eels are looking to their future, I think the time is right to put Blake back to reserve grade, bring in somebody new, see how they go. Look, I've I've said this for many, many years. If I was an NRL team and I didn't have a great junior development base to draw upon, and I tend to think the Eels one is just okay, um, I would just be cycling through a bunch of Fijian wingers and seeing which one of them can do what all of the Fijian wingers do, which is just score tries, be spectacular, and wow us every weekend when they touch the ball. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Where would a player like Ferguson end up? I'm not sure. There, there will be a place for him in the NRL. Uh, there's plenty of teams that could use a veteran winger, but he's not the game-breaker that he used to be a few years ago. He, he hasn't got that power in his game that he had a few years ago. You're just kind of getting him in as somebody that's got a lot of experience and that you know can do a certain job. But I also think he's a stopgap measure until you find the player that you believe will be your winger going forward. Um, I don't think he's the sort of player that would end up going over to Super League, but I can see where he will end up on another NRL club that's just looking for a bit of veteran talent. You know, weirdly enough, I could see him going somewhere like the Melbourne Storm and... This time next year, we're saying to each other, wow, they got Blake Ferguson for a steal. Look how well he's going. Um, So, yeah, we'll see what happens with Blake Ferguson's career. But at the moment, he's back in New South Wales Cup. And I don't think that's a bad move for the Paramount Eels. As for Blake, he, he played for the Penrith Panthers. And Blake's one of those really weird players. And Panthers fans will know exactly what I'm talking about. He's a very good athlete, and every so often he will play a game where you'll be like, wow, is this where he's kicking on to become a real star in the side? But then he only plays that way like once or twice a year, and the rest of the season you're waiting for that player to kind of wake up and become that star. He is a little bit like a poor man's DWZ, which is not a very good review if you're Wonga Blake. Um, DWZ was a little bit like that. He's got worse since he's gone to the Bulldogs, Bulldogs, unfortunately. But he was a little bit like that with the Panthers as well, where he would have games where he would just kind of be really quiet and you wouldn't get much out of him. And then he'd have a game where he'd be like, wow, this guy is incredible. And we all talk about that test game where he played fullback for New Zealand and looked like an absolute superstar in that game. And Bulldogs fans are are all saying, yes, 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 we're waiting for that guy to turn up still. At some point, you just have to move on and and cut your losses. And, you know, I don't know that the Eels have that luxury right now in the centres, and that's why they keep naming him. But, you know... He's just one of those players. I think Campbell Gillard's a little bit like that as well. Obviously, Campbell Gillard, you get a certain amount of performance out of him. Even when he has just a, a quiet game, you, you're getting a certain work rate out of him. 
but you kind of wait for Campbell Gillard to have that great game that you know he has in him. And I don't think Campbell Gillard has really put on one of those performances since he was at the Penrith Panthers. And he got, I think it was a jaw injury. God, he got a badly broken jaw or something like that. And he's never really recaptured that form since then. And yeah, it's interesting that you get some players like that, that you know they have that football in them and you just don't know what it is that unlocks those performances. And you wait and you wait and you wait and you're almost waiting for the penny to drop for them. And, and you know, they, they come out one day and they're like, oh, I've just got to do this. Sometimes it's just, it doesn't happen enough to keep persisting with those, those players. So the Eels have a few things that they've got to sort out with their squad. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see who they bring in if they bring up some junior players that they've got maybe waiting in the wings. We will wait and see. Now, in a little bit of news related to DWZ, the West Tigers have reportedly approached not only him, but the Canterbury Bulldogs, looking to get him immediately to the West Tigers, which is a really strange move. They love their outside backs. They love bringing in outside backs and cycling through them. It's a strange one. If I was in DWZ's ear, and DWZ's already come out and said, look, I'm happy here at the Bulldogs. I'm not looking to go anywhere else. But if he can get a a good contract on a long-term deal at the West Tigers, he should grab it with both hands because I can't see another club looking to sign him as a featured player and definitely not as a fullback. Rugby League Players Association General President Daly Cherry Evans has talked about the relationship between players and the supporter base and how it's actually really good between players of clubs and supporters of other clubs. And he's spoken spoken about it during Origin Camp in regards to the rule changes that we've seen brought in in the NRL recently. Now, I'm going to read you the quotes that uh, Daly Cherry Evans made because I thought they were very measured and, and I thought that they were fair enough. Um, he said, as players, you'd be surprised how good of a relationship the players have with fans across each club. Players and fans are together on this. Everyone just wants some clarity on the decisions that are getting made. We don't want things just shoved in our face right before it happens. Now, he's obviously talking about the, the rule changes that keep happening, you know, every week at this point. He continued, Now we're speaking about it. It's a perfect opportunity for the Rugby League Players Association and the NRL to come together and keep moving forward as a game and keep our product the best it can be. I think it will happen soon. I have a lot of faith in the Rugby League Players Association and the NRL to progress things. Very measured. Like, you, you hear that and... It's not outlandish, and that's why he's the general president of the Rugby League Players Association. He's a smart person, very good with the media, Daly Cherry Evans. Now, of course, he has been attacked by the same old farts in the media. I'm not even going to name these old farts because they don't deserve it, but uh, there was one gas bag show where you had a couple of old men whinging about Daly Cherry Evans saying he needs to pull his head in because Peter Volandis is the greatest thing since sliced bread 
and how dare he not kiss the feet of the Messiah of the game. Um, I think it's very funny that the rep- players representative, <clears throat> the playing players representative of the Rugby League Players Association is being told to basically keep his mouth shut, that we don't want to hear from him, from a couple of old gas baggers in the media. There was another well-known whinger who said that the players would all have been on Centrelink if it wasn't for Peter Volandis getting the game up and running again. And it's funny because the further away we get from the COVID break that we had last year and the game starting again, and look, we didn't play football for, what, six weeks? It wasn't that long a time. But the longer we get away from that, it's funny that they keep going back to it like it was some incredible moment where the game basically died overnight and it was resurrected single-handedly by Peter Volandis, which, you know, just isn't the case. Anybody that has a brain in their head knows that's not the case. It was a whole lot of people that worked together. Um, I do think that it's interesting that a lot of the same people that are attacking the players and the fans for their opinions on these ridiculous rule changes... They all work for the same overall media company, the media company that was handed money back immediately by Peter Volandis last year. Um, I believe it was $30 million that he handed back to them, uh, give or take a few million here or there. And they turned around and used that money to immediately buy the rights for Rugby Union in Australia. So that was fantastic. But, um, but yeah, it's... It's interesting that the the media will just openly at this point just say to players, keep your mouth shut. He's the chosen one. We want him in, in this place forever. And But it's the tide has definitely turned against Philandis. You're starting to see other people in the media come out and speak against him, which we weren't seeing even, <clears throat> excuse me, even about two or three months ago. You know, it was all positive stuff for Philandis in the media. And but you, you can't argue with what we're seeing on the field. I mean that the the game on the field as a direct result from the you know arbitrary decisions on rules that Peter Volandis has made, it's been tremendous to see the effect. The game has gone really scrappy under these rules. We've talked about it a lot, so I won't go into it too much more. But um, it is really great to see that the Players Association is now on the front foot on this and that they are going to, at the very least, look to get some power in terms of the rules that we do have. Because at the end of the day, if you're the Players Association, you've got to look at this rule set and say, well, number one, it's going to shorten careers just overall. Under this style of play, if you come in as, say, a, and let's say you're a 20-year-old coming into this game, you can't look at this game right now and say, I'm going to play this game for 15 years if I'm one of the elite players. You just can't. It, it, it's going to be too taxing on you physically. And it's going to force not only players to retire earlier, but it is going to force players to look at the alternatives, the easier alternatives where they can get more money out of the sporting career that they have ahead of them. And the Players Association knows that. You know, they're not stupid. It's not stupid people running it. And so they're going to have to have a look at that. I'm sure they will go in to any meeting with the NRL 
and they'll take all of the injury statistics, the head knock statistics, uh, the fatigue levels, the the anecdotal evidence from players, which incredibly is being ignored for some reason. I don't know why. But I did find it very interesting that the media was just, well, not the whole media, but there were people within the media that were so aggressive and so dismissive towards players that were making a very, very good argument and players that were very measured in their response and they were attacked for it. Um, Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And look, I think that the players need to start standing up for themselves and saying as a group, you know, if this organisation or that organisation or even this individual or that individual keeps attacking us, not only as a group or as individual players, We've got to stop talking to them. We've got to, you know, just not give them the content that they desire in return. And these people will blow up and say, oh, how dare you? We're, we're the reason why you get sponsorships and people watching and stuff. And it's not the case. You know, there, there's always somebody else that will do that interview that will call that game. There's always another broadcaster and, you know, they try and pretend that they are all holding the players over a barrel whenever they can. And the fact is they're all outsiders. They can be flicked in a second if needed. Uh, they're not the special ones. The special ones are the players and the fans and the game itself. They're just, you know, outsiders looking in, trying to make a living arguing with each other on TV shows. It's kind of weird. Um but yeah, so that's about all of the big stories that are going around in rugby league at the moment. Um, we're going to try and get some more guests on this week. We'll see how that all goes. I, I'm glad that you all enjoyed the last episode with the guys from Gainline Analytics. It was a really cool episode. Could have gone on for another two hours. I had so many questions. And I love in episodes like that where like, you will have a preconceived idea about something within the game and the statistics show that to be right. But I also find it even more incredible when you have a preconceived idea about something and the statistics show it's wrong because that is a learning moment and it lets you get your head around something that that maybe you weren't thinking about before. And that's the great thing about statistics. they The statistics cut through a lot of bias and preconceived notions and me and Andrew were talking about this a, a few months ago now. We were going to do an episode about when there's something in the game that you have an idea about or a feeling about and at what point you change your opinion on that feeling because you see a lot of people will stick to an opinion no matter what and they'll die on a hill even though they're absolutely wrong. And... You can't be like that. You've got to change your opinion if the situation changes. Um, the West Tigers are a really good point for this because with the way they've been playing this season, my personal opinion was they were going to finish in the bottom three, if not the bottom two. I don't think anyone's going to beat the Bulldogs for the wooden spoon at this stage anyway. But the guys from Gainline Analytics, they both were like, no, we expect the Tigers to have a bit of a surge this for the rest of the season, but it's going to be maybe a little bit too late to make the finals. We'll see. 
Can you imagine if the Tigers just got it to ninth place again? That would be incredible. But, yeah, so that's why I like episodes like that. And sometimes me and Andrew will sit down and we don't even record this. We'll sit down and we'll talk about statistics in the game and we will try and come up with things and, and try and break our own opinions of the game or try and put together something that we we feel about the game and see if the statistics back it up. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. I remember one time about, oh, it must have been a year and a half, maybe going on two years ago, and we sat down and we were talking about the Immortals and the Rugby League Hall of Fame. And if there was some sort of statistical thresholds that you could set for players in terms of first grade, mainly Australian players, first grade games, state of origin games played and test games played, where if players hit these markers, they were they were obviously on a different level to everyone else. And look, you can you can do you can say like three hundred first grade games, uh, twenty Origin games, and twenty Test matches, and you're going to get not too many players that are beyond that. But we were looking for one that was more along the lines of. Uh, an obvious Hall of Fame class, but one that didn't have anyone in there that we didn't feel uh, were of that same caliber of play that we're trying to set the Hall of Fame class at. We started off on it, and when I say we, I, I basically will have ideas that I'll talk to Andrew about, and he's got all of the statistics. And we will discuss, like, what if you put this in? What if you take that out? What if you, you know, divide this value? What if you, you know, what if you look at things? What if you get rid of the uh, city versus country games? Things like that. And we never really settled on on a level. There was, there was always that gray area in between that we couldn't really settle on. And we didn't work on it for too long. And when I say work on it, it was mainly Andrew. But uh, we didn't we didn't look at it for too long. But it's interesting when you use statistics like that and you try and find things within the game and, and get, your, get things lined up in the game that you maybe think you see or that you're not sure about or that you find you are completely 100% wrong about. And I always find that really fascinating. So that was what was so cool about the last episode. That's why I love deep diving into the statistics with, you know, a statistician like Andrew or, or the guys at Gainline Analytics who are also statisticians. Um, I always find that fascinating. And it was a really well-received episode too. So... Uh, I've got to I've got to thank the guys from Gainline for coming on. Uh, really cool episode. I'll try and get them back on again when there's a moment that lines up in the game where everything sort of comes together at the right time. And as I said at the start of the last episode, it was kind of the time where we'd got past the COVID break far enough that it was kind of in the rearview mirror and things were settling back into normal. Origin was coming up, and we had the Panthers having this ridiculous season that they're having. So, oh, by the way, with the Panthers, 
So many players out this week. It's going to be really interesting to see how they go against the Tigers. You look at the game, I've still tipped the Panthers because I can't tip against them. Um, just because they've won so many games, you know, they're, they're such a... What they're doing is so extraordinary. It'd be stupid to tip against them right now. But they're missing so many players. Uh, I saw somebody on Twitter, and I wish I could remember who it was, but it was somebody I follow that said it would be a real shame if the Panthers' winning streak was broken by the state of origin. And I agree. As a Panthers fan, though, it's like, as long as the season keeps going in the right direction, you know, the, the fact that we've got a winning streak, it's great, but the goal is the grand final at the end of the day. And if our winning streak breaks this weekend, it's not like... I don't think Panthers fans would be absolutely devastated. It kind of is what it is. But if they did beat the Tigers this weekend and that's just my dog in the background, if they did beat the Tigers this weekend, wouldn't it be extraordinary that you could take that many players out of the Panthers squad and just beat anyone? You know, that would be incredible. So we'll see what happens there. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to the episode. Be sure to check out legfreak.com, rugbyleaguepodcastingnetwork.com, rugbyleagueproject.org and of course if you would like to support anything that i do you go to patreon.com forward slash league freak with no space between league freak you can you know donate any amount of money you want one dollar a thousand dollars a million dollars uh whatever you want you know it's up to you and only do it if you can afford to you know and it's uh it all goes towards website costs, which it's funny how much they pile up. Um, and it goes towards some of the costs with the podcasting, which there are costs involved. If you want to support Andrew with Rugby League Project, he's part of the podcasting. And anything that he does, go to patreon.com forward slash RL Project. Uh, and it's the same sort of thing. You can donate $1. You can donate two billion dollars we're both open to anything in between that so it's it's really handy and all of his costs once again they go towards all the work he does with rugby league project which we all use and obviously podcasting costs which there there's some costs involved with hosting and things like that so uh if you want to don if you want to donate or contribute along those lines that's just an easy way to do it it's like bang done um so thank you for listening in i i'm guessing the next episode will be out maybe friday we'll see what happens in the game and uh we'll see i might try and get on a guest i know i've got a couple of people lined up got a really special episode lined up it's not really a rugby league episode it's more of a just a general history episode but it's somebody that has been on the podcast recently who went through a really incredible experience that I think would be amazing to share with everyone. Um, you know, and as always with our podcast episodes, because we put out so many, listen to the ones you want to listen to. Don't listen to the ones that you're not interested in. It's all good. That's why we put out different sorts of episodes, solo episodes, history episodes, guest episodes, 
just pick and choose what you want to listen to. You know, it's completely up to you. But I'm looking forward to that episode. It'll be very cool. Um, and I'll do my list coming up of the best players from between the year 2000 and the year 2010. Um, if nothing huge happens in the news over the next couple of days, I might do that episode on Friday. So we'll see what happens there. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Retweet the hell out of these episodes because we see jumps and spikes and everything when you do that in the listening numbers. And uh, we'll catch you soon.